What a great way to start the morning. Good morning, Friends Church. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you, to express our gratitude, our appreciation um, for those of you who give so incredibly generously to Friends Church so that we can do the amazing work here that we do in giving back, in reaching out, in making people's lives better. Um, there are three ways to donate online, www www.friendschurch.ca on our app, the spiritual app, and you might see some uh, slides up there that it's being updated. And of course, for those of you who wish to um, use paper, write a check, or have cash, a rare thing these days, but we accept that too. There's always a black box at the back. So thank you. We really appreciate that, especially the monthly um, regular automatic uh, withdrawal. That really helps us plan and budget. An announcement you might have seen um, is that we're bringing back coffee. Pre-COVID, we had coffee available, and it was such a lovely time to kind of gather a little bit, have a little bit of conversation, and meet a few new people. And so next week, March 5th, there will be coffee and hot chocolate back in the front foyer again. We hope to see you there. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, you two. You three. Good morning, everyone. Okay, good morning to you, too, Jeff. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Responsive bunch. Okay. <laughs> oh, gee. This song that they just sang really speaks to the theme this morning. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. I want to begin with a story today. I, I don't often do it this way, but I, I think this story kind of s- sets a stage. It's a, it's a story that's thousands of years old. You'll read about it in the Bible. Um, and though it's thousands of years old, it's a story that actually in different ways gets played out every day. It's, it's a, about a guy named Josh. We'll call him Josh. Uh, he gets called in... Uh, by his boss one day. His boss has some big news. He says, uh, Josh, I made some mistakes. And the board of directors, we'll call him the board of the directors, but really it was God, the character God in the story. They've decided that uh, my time running the organization is done. And I have made a recommendation that you would take over for me. Now, under normal circumstances, you'd think that that would be great news. Everyone's in for a promotion, take over, run the ship. But this wasn't, I don't think, the tone. This wasn't what Josh was feeling. In fact, I don't think Josh wanted the promotion at all. You see, his boss was Moses. And if you followed Moses' story at all in the book of Exodus, this was the biblical character that had devoted most of of his life to heading into Egypt and negotiating the release of the Israelite people, the Hebrew children, from slavery under Pharaoh. He was the one, it seemed, God had chosen to go in and say, hey, get our people out of there. He had spent 40 years moving them through this wilderness 
in pursuit of one day getting to the promised land, this Canaan land that God had promised them. But it had not been easy. It had been a grind. Every step of the way had been a grind. From the Egyptians chasing them, and they, you know they had to, you know, head through this, you know, the Red Sea that parted. Remember that, and they had to take their whole tribe through a barren wilderness. Many times they were starving, and the people were grumbling. The Israelites were known for being this whiny people. It seemed like it didn't matter what Moses did, they were pissed off about something. And they're screaming at him. And he, it was like in a, one of those assignments that he was just always wanting out of. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Well, you know Josh is watching every time something's going sideways. And here's Moses saying, my time is done and it's time for you to take over. But this was especially a very interesting time for this to happen. They had come through the wilderness. Now they're on the doorstep of the promised land. Literally, there's a river that separates them. They're looking out to this Canaan land, the land they had waited 40 years to possess. They were thinking they're on the finish line. They're thinking we finally arrived. They send in 12 spies. 10 of the 12 spies come back and go, that is a death trap. There are giants in that land. There are people there that are hostile. And they are numerous. And they're big. They will devour us if we go in there. The reports coming back are terrifying. All of a sudden, they're realizing, holy crap, we we are not at the finish line. Maybe our worst troubles have only just begun. It's right in the middle of this situation that Moses takes the keys and passes them across the desk to Joshua. And Joshua's going, I don't know, I get the sense. Joshua's going, no. Please. Don't make me do that. Man, Josh just came into work that morning thinking, let's get to work. Little did he know that his life was about to drastically change. You ever had those days? You wake up and you have no idea what's waiting for you. At the end of the day, you go, what just happened? I had one of them. Thinking about this. Every now and then I think about it. It was 2007. I was going to work just like everyone else does. It's a Wednesday morning. And normally on Wednesdays, we as a staff team, Friends Church, we would all get together. We'd kind of review what had happened the previous weekend. We'd talk about different things that we had going on, different projects, who's doing what, making sure the next weekend is covered, groups going on, blah, blah, blah. And this particular morning, as we gathered, my partner, who I had started Friends Church with, he announced to the team that he was going to resign. And I, along with everyone, was caught completely 
off guard. Instantly, my heart began to race. And he's, he's kind of explaining what led up to his decision, but in my mind, I'm not even hearing what he's saying. I'm just thinking, oh my God, don't do this now. This is not the time. On the surface, the church was, I think by many standards, doing very well. It was a big, big community. We had just moved from the Red and White Club at the McMahon Stadium to Masters Academy at school not far from here. That was a big process, but what was lurking under the surface was much bigger. We, you know, we had been running for about nine years at that point. A lot had shifted in our lives, in our spirituality, in the world in nine years. What we started out thinking we were supposed to be doing as a church was shifting. Something wasn't feeling right about kind of the game plan as usual. We were wrestling with the way we were interacting with the Bible, certain passages that were problematic. We had people that had come out of the woodwork that were part of the LGBTQ community. And our understanding of how we relate to people in, in this community traditionally versus what we were sensing was going on and how, how do we reconcile a whole bunch of different stuff of our spirituality. It was all, we're like, something doesn't seem right. We got to make some changes. It was like weekly, we were, you know, it's kind of like going to a, a, um, an amusement park that's about 25 years old. And you know, you've seen the rust starting to show up on some of the rides and squeaking. And, and you're just like going, uh, I think we're in for a renovation here. We're needing to change something or this thing's going to... And that's what we were feeling about just the way we were doing stuff. So we were engaging in some big conversations. We began having little sidebar conversations with people within our community. And it wasn't going great. Some people were freaking them out. They're going, well, what are you talking about here? Why do you need to change things? Don't change things. So the staff team were having these big discussions, and right in the middle of that, this guy hands off his resignation letter. Oh, man, I'm, I'm panicking because I'm going, our work is just beginning, pal. You can't leave us now. Little did I know that of the team that we had, there were three others that were pretty much done to. They were looking at everything that we're going to need to do, and they're going, no, I don't think I'm up for it. So within a year, we had four people resign. That season... You want to talk about positive momentum swinging to negative momentum? Oh. Yeah, it was, it was just, and I, if I look back, man, this black cloud that moved in and just lingered. It's crazy how one little resignation letter can just, just trigger so many unpleasant changes, it's so much upheaval. But that's how it often is, isn't it? You don't see some of this stuff coming. And one little shift, 
It could be a conversation, a phone call you get. I'm betting everyone listening to me right now has a story of a moment when something happened and it triggered an unpleasant chapter in your life. Something went down and you're like, I was not expecting this. And it's just like the clouds move in and it's like, hang on. It happens at work. It happens in romantic relationships. It happens in friendships. Maybe something happens with your kid or kids, your finances, your health. Oh man, Kathy and I, we've gone through a health thing just over the last while. You don't see it coming, but one little trip to a clinic and all of a sudden it's like, hang on, what? Wait, what? They w- what can be such a short time, man? It's just life can slip south. And when all the dust is settled, all you see is just this mountain in front of you going, oh boy, how am I going to do this? You felt that? Maybe some of you are feeling this right now in some part of your life. It's rarely everything goes sideways. It's, sometimes it's just one area that just sneaks up and it's just like... Setbacks in life can be hard, really hard. They can leave us so discouraged, demotivated. It can leave you with all kinds of mental and emotional, relational scar tissue. It's just like... <laughs> Bouncing back is not easy. In fact, some will hit these clouds, these storms, and they'll never be the same again. That, sadly, that is a common story. But I want to ask the question, what does it take to bounce back? That's really what I want to talk about this morning. What does it take when all of a sudden you're staring at that mountain that part of your life that's just gone sideways? What does it take to claw your way back in to get yourself back in a place where you're going, okay, I'm I'm all right. To start again, to rebuild momentum, parts of our lives that got knocked out. My hunch is that there are some who are really leaning in right now And I know that because I've chatted with some of you. I was telling the team this morning, I have had so many conversations with people that have had parts of their lives knocked out, completely out of the blue, whether it was in the middle of the pandemic, even just recently, when you think the storm clouds are parting, there's people that are facing some crazy stuff. If that's you this morning, I, 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 this morning's for you. Or maybe, maybe you know someone right now who's in that window. I would encourage you to pay close attention because you might be playing a role in that person's bounce back. I don't believe there's any silver bullets. I'm not, you know, kind of going to present some kind of rainbow that's waiting for you at the end of the road here. But it seems the more I study people who have figured out ways to claw their way out of these storm clouds, put 
pieces back together in life, there seems to be some common ingredients to, to so many of their stories. And I just want to talk about three common ingredients, three components that, that play a vital role in putting the pieces back together this morning. The weird thing is these three components are so interconnected that it, it, uh, even as they're thinking, how would I, what order should I talk about these in? It, I'm not even sure. It's like the chicken and the egg. I'm not sure if one comes first and then the next and then the next. Or, or, they seem to be so interwoven. So I'm just going to talk about them this morning. And I think as I talk about them, chances are if you've ever rolled through one of these dark, which I think everyone has, you might very much relate to some of these and maybe spot perhaps one or two of them that may, may be a weak suit. First one I want to talk about is radical acceptance. Uh, this is a term I didn't... I, if you would have told me you need, you need to practice some radical acceptance, Jeff, if you would have told me that about five years ago, I went, went huh, and... What do you mean by that? Um, I, I wouldn't have known radical, what radical acceptance really involves. Um, but before I jump in, I, I, there was a day in the middle of that craziness. It was about, I don't know, it was about a year, year and a half in. And now it's 2008, maybe, give or take. The, the clouds are still swirk, circling, Friends Church. And uh, it, was, it was just slugging every day, coming to work, going, oh my God, this is so frustrating. Anyways, I went, uh, finished the day, I went home. And I'm at home, and I could tell her I was just exhausted. And my doorbell rings. I go to the door, and it's Vince, Vince Clausen. Vince never comes over. I'm looking at him going, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, can we go for a walk? I'm like, Vince, you're scaring me. He's like, I said, why don't you just tell me what's going on here? He's like, let's go for a walk. And my heart now is pounding. I'm just like, what are you going to tell me, man? As we walked around my block, he says, uh, he mentions this person who was still on our team. He says, uh, she's going to quit. I went, what? No. He's like, yeah. You know what? Sometimes it's not the biggest straw. It's just the last straw. But <laughs> I... I just, again, caught me right off guard. And I was so worn down at that point. I just started swearing. I was just, I was, it was like, it was like a, a slurpy brain freeze. You know, that you, you drink too much, it's just like, ow, 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 ow. And I, I was just, I was angry. And Vince is like, buddy, stay off the road. Stay on. I'm just like, no, 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 no. And, and, and. He's feeling the same way, so he's take, he takes his turn, and he's mad, and he's ranting, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're walking down, I'm kind of looking around, making sure no one's here, you know, listening to us. It was, it was cold outside, which is great, no one was us, but I just remember being cold and angry, and it was like I 
vented like I have rarely vented. <laughs> it was just like, he's like, you good? I'm like, I think I'm a little better now. <laughs> I said, how about you? He's like, I think I am. I think I'm okay. You know, Eckhart Tolle tells the story of how ducks handle conflict, negative situations. I don't know if you ever knew this, but when two ducks get into a fight, it's just like fur flying, man. They're just like, and they're, they're just like going ballistic. It doesn't last long. And I don't know what it would even cause it, but they're fighting in conflict. And then when the conflict's done, they kind of sail off in different directions. And then the next thing they do is they just flap their wings vigorously. No one around. They just start just... And I guess experts say that in the process of flapping their wings, it's like somehow they just exercise all the negative energy out of them. And then, huh, okay. Do, do, do. And then they just float away. I didn't know this. But Eckhart Tolle says, you know, if, if a duck had a human mind, it would look much different. They wouldn't just flap their wings and off they go. They would say, man, I, they would start just story making. I can't believe what that guy just tried to pull on me. He came within inches of me. Guy has no respect for a duck's boundaries. Thinks he owns his pond? Why did he, why did I even trust that guy? Why did I let him get so close? Never again, man. I bet he's conniving right now. I bet he's going to be coming back anytime. I'll be ready for him. If a duck had a human mind, that's what begins to happen out of one of those storms. All this inner thinking and this noise just starts to build inside, build inside. You know what I'm talking about? It's our attempt, they say, to process the blocked energy inside us. You have something that goes down, all that emotion starts rising up, anger, sadness, heartbreak, frustration, whatever it is, it's like it starts bubbling up to the surface. And often, the most human instinct is to allow our mind to start spinning out stories. It's our mind's way of trying to deal with this ugly ugliness that we're feeling, to process it. Michael Singer says in his book, The Untethered Soul, by the way, if you've never read this book, I'm telling you, spend the money, pick up this book. He says if this energy that gets kicked up in the middle of whatever is going on, if it isn't allowed to move through you, it gets pushed to the forefront of your mind and it's held there until we're prepared to release it. It almost gets burned somewhere into our head, to our minds. And it doesn't just go away. It doesn't just melt away, evaporate. It doesn't, it stays there. And it becomes a problem. Now if you've ever had busy head, where you wake up in the middle of the night and your head is just spinning, 
Maybe it's you're doing something and all of a sudden, and you're completely oblivious of what's going on. This is really your mind is taking stuff that has not been released and it is processing hard. Some people just think that's just normal. That's just, not what just we do. It's not healthy, but it is a human instinct. Have you ever witnessed someone who has something that has not been properly processed in their life? And it's like they have a story that somehow finds its way to being told again and again. And you're talking about the most random thing. All of a sudden, there they go off on that story again about this person that did this thing. Or that guy that cut me off in traffic. And that, or whatever it is. And it just keeps cycling back. It's like, what, we, how did we get there? We were just talking. But it's there. And it just keeps coming, coming back. It, years have gone by for some. And that story, it's like it happened yesterday. Fresh. That's what it looks like when you refuse to acknowledge and accept something that's happened. That's really the essence of radical acceptance. It's being able to say, crap happened back there. That was a bad thing that went down. That sucked. That hurt. <sighs> Probably, if you could just wrap it up in a nutshell, it'd just be saying, oh, hated that. Why did they? Okay. It happened. It is what it is. Radical acceptance happens at that point when you can really say, it is what it is. When you can't get to that point, there is this resistance, an internal resistance, and that's where the anger stays. You don't want to let it go. You don't want forgiveness. You don't want to talk about... You, you want to make someone pay. You want retribution. You want to change it. We've we, we got to get this back. We can't just let this go. Radical acceptance says, it's done. There's no going back. We can't undo that. And then you come to the and, and, and in doing that, more than anything, it's you let the energy of that thing out. And you let it go. Have you ever have you ever held on to something? Where you're just like going, no, no way. No. If you've ever felt that. It's amazing the turmoil that it can bring. It just keeps cycling back again and again. That day when Vince and I went for a walk, I didn't know what was going down. Something let go in me. And it was bigger than just this last girl's resignation. I think I had been bottling and bottling and resisting and saying, no, we're going to... And that day I just went... I can't, I can't fix that. I can't, I, I just, rent. and then I came back. It was like something broke in me. I came, I, 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 and I can't even explain it. I remember walking back to my house. I'm like, I feel like about a hundred pounds lighter. And the clouds are still there. <laughs> the problem's right there. 
something broke in me. And I think it had something to do around this. You let the disturbance surface. You don't suppress it. You don't push it down. You don't say, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna. No. You just acknowledge every freaking brutal thing that's going on. You're not hiding it. You're feeling it. You sit in it. It's happened. Now, you either learn to process that and release what's gone on or it gets trapped inside you. And in the past, I've talked about that. I did a message a while back called Letting Go. Literally, you, you refuse to let the stuff out and let it go and, and, and at some point stop telling the story because you recognize that story just re-aggravates. It, re- it irritates some part of you causes more inflammation so you stop telling the story and say that no that's over or it gets trapped and over time what ends up happening is you start adding your unresolved disturbances the unresolved hurts and heartbreaks past setbacks and it becomes like a suitcase you're dragging around and that suitcase is full of vile intense emotion and you don't realize it exists until another storm hits And without you even realizing what happens is that zipper comes undone and your past shit from past chapters gets, jumps into the party with everything you're feeling right in that moment. It's just like it comes snowballing in. They call that a pain body. And you, if you, if you just think about the people in your life, think about some of the most unhappy people around you, I'll tell you right now, they have big suitcases of unresolved shit that they have not allowed out. And so they drag that suitcase around until the next storm, until the next day, the next letter of resignation, the next thing that comes down the pike. And then all of a sudden, man, that thing lets loose and they get completely hijacked. In little ways, we have our suitcases. Some of us don't even know how big those things are, how much stuff is waiting for us, not until the storm comes. Radical acceptance is one of those pieces. If you can figure out how to be able to let go of something that's gone down, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the art and science about that, People that bounce back travel light. They got small suitcases. They say, I'm not carrying this thing around. I whined, I bitched, I complained. I'm done my thing. That thing's got to go away. I got enough stuff to deal with right now. Make sense? Maybe just let me ask you, do you replay? find yourself replaying stuff that's going on often? Just a warning. Sometimes, sometimes there's some processing that needs to happen because it can, it can be a quick jump from just replaying everything that's going on to rehashing to then all of a sudden allowing the emotion to come back and pretty soon, man, that thing is getting stored in that pain body. Just a warning. Let's move on. There's another component to bouncing back, and that is self-confidence. When life is going well, man, 
and you got a lot of forward momentum, you got a lot of wins under your belt, your confidence is running high. It's amazing when, you're, when your own personal self, sense of self-confidence is up, the blows you can take, hey? They often say, man, when you're winning, nothing hurts. But man, I'm telling you, you take a few hits, few things go sideways, and it's amazing how all of a sudden you just, it's easy to start second-guessing yourself. Have you felt that? Have you ever felt like, man, I don't know if I got what it takes to get back up on that horse? We see this happen a lot with people's fitness, right? You get behind the eight ball, and and at one time they were in shape. Now the, the challenge is it feels monumental. Now it's like, gosh, it's been so long. I don't know if I could. Indecision. Sometimes shame begins to set in. Start beating yourself up over things you did or said that created perhaps the storm. Maybe there's something wrong with me. The internal dialogue, monologue, can be just become so toxic when self-confidence starts dropping. The will to fight and claw your way back, man, it starts running low. Motivation levels start dropping. It's interesting, going back to the story of Josh and Moses. Here's Moses trying to pass the keys off to, to Joshua. Joshua, I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue around it, but you can imagine. It's a monumental head handoff there must have been some fear because in the conversation between Moses and Joshua Moses was saying look it I don't need you to be afraid right now it's interesting what Moses started doing with Josh as the transition gets starts getting closer he starts looking at him he's saying hey look it you have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done It's like he starts going back in time. He starts looking at me saying, hey, remember when? Now he says, uh, he says, you've seen everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. What he's referring to is two big battles that they had just come through. They had been walking through this territory through here. And they said, oh, yes, we are. The Israelites went to battle and they crushed these armies, crushed them and mowed right through. Bible account, you know, it tells the story of, of those battles. But literally, it, it was a big win. They get through that one, and then another king came up and says, you're not coming here. And they said, yes, we are. Boom, they go in, clean house. So here's Moses saying, Josh, I know you're freaking out, but come on, d- d- just think for a second where we just go, where we just been. Think about the victories we've just had. Think about the things you've done. You were right there when you saw that. I bet he went back and he went, do you remember the Red Sea man? Do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when we had no food? What are you freaking out about, pal? It's like he goes back with Joshua and he starts replaying the highlight reels. Do you remember that? You got this, pal. Question. If someone was sitting with you 
and saying, all right, you're in a tough spot right now, but let's go back. Let's talk about where you've been. Let's talk about your journey and the victories you've won. Let's, let's replay your highlight reel. What memories will come back in your highlight reel for you? What, what, what do you look back on and go, yeah, actually, that's true. I did do that. Huh. Yeah, actually. You, know, you think about the relationships you've been a part of that have been successful. Think about the stories of your own personal achievements. What stories come to mind in your career? The things perhaps you did growing up. The friends that you've made. The hobbies that you've learned. Perhaps some kind of causes you've been a part of. What is a part of your highlight reel? Commitments that you made that you kept to people. Acts of discipline you engaged in. You know, in the dark times, man, one failure can make all of that just disappear so that all you can see are your lowlights. All you can see is the last failure that now somehow is defining you. This is a common story. This is what I'm finding as I'm chatting with these people. I'm going, wow, stuff is tough. Let's talk about what's going good. And they can't even think of it. I'm going, ah. I said, well, let's talk about your family. You got loved ones, man. You got kids. Who are your kids? Yeah, yeah, I got good kids. Man, you've done some good, something right there. It's amazing how, man, when the clouds roll in, your good can evaporate in your own mind because your thinker isn't focused on that. It's focused on everything that's going sideways. A while back, I started keeping a folder in my inbox um, of all the email that I've had from friends and family, people that have sent me encouraging stuff. I never knew that I, it would serve a purpose. It just, except that when I read it, I was like, oh, that makes me feel nice. And so I shoved it into this box. And then over time, I just realized, you know what? I, I like kind of going back and visiting that. And so then I got more diligent about just taking important, good pieces of feedback. And I just started putting it in that box. And there was a window. I don't have time to tell it, but I got down. And I went into that folder. And I remember reading it. And it was like, uh, it was like I had completely lost tri track of who I was. I couldn't see myself in the light that they were talking about. And man, as I read those emails, it was like, oh, okay, not terrible. Maybe I got some stuff here. Maybe I'm okay. You know, maybe you're here today and your self-confidence has been rattled and you need to revisit your highlight reel. Maybe you need to go back and start being reminded of what you're capable of, who you truly are. Sometimes we can't even see it, even though it's all there. Sometimes we need someone else to remind us 
Which brings me to my last point today, and that is the supportive community, the role of a supportive community. I'm talking about your partner. I'm talking about maybe your family. I'm talking about maybe your next door neighbor or a coworker. Everyone has kind of their own little tribe or posse. I'm talking about this community here at Friends Church. And the role that they can play of reminding you who you really are when the setback happens. The people that have this uncanny ability to say, come on, stop talking that way. Come on, let's go for a walk. Come on. I don't know what's going on with you. You're not responding to my emails. We're getting together. Guy was telling me this week, he had gone through a really bad business situation, left him. It was dark. Declared bankruptcy. His wife was leaving him. Announced that she was going to divorce him. He was, it was dark. It was tough. He said a friend showed up and said, you and me, we're going golfing. Now, I can't think of a better thing to do for anyone than to take him golfing. I'll just tell you that right now. But this guy took him golfing every day for one straight month. He had no money. And he says, no, you're coming with me. And the space that he created for him. Just saying, you just need to breathe. Let's laugh. Let's talk. Process. We all need someone who's capable of being able to see us at our worst and yet see our best and call it out of us and ride with us in the middle of those clouds. Now, this is terrifying because we are living in the most isolated time our society in recent modern history has ever lived. There are people that are trying to game the system to figure out ways they can live alone and do it on their own. And I'm telling you, you're rolling the dice. It's a big gamble. And this is part of what we as a community here are trying to do. We're trying to build support networks where we can support each other through these storms. The greatest bounce back stories I've watched are people who invested the time and the energy in care networks, just friendships where maybe they were riding high, but they were watching out for someone else. And then when their time came, those people showed up. I, I gotta tell you something. My role, I'm a two on the Enneagram, I'm a helper. I've spent over 30 years in ministry loving to help people. I haven't had many low chapters where I'm like, oh my God, I've had them. And thankfully, I've had friends around. But man, I tell you, this recent one, Kathy, my wife, just went through cancer surgery a couple weeks ago. Uh, This last number of months, terrifying. But the people that came out of woodwork for us, just people that just sent us a text just going, you okay? What's going on? I just wasn't used to that. The, the kind of support that came out. Now, if you felt this, you know what an incredible weapon that can be. One text just lifted me in the middle of all this. They didn't even have to do anything else. Just to say, I see you, and I know things aren't good, 
But I want you to know you're not alone and we're here. The number of different ways people have reached out. It has made this journey so amazing. And what's sad is I'm looking around and people who have not taken the time, the energy, or just for whatever reason haven't built a support network. And then when those clouds roll in, boy, they're left to do it alone. Ecclesiastes has some incredible wisdom. It says two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. One person falls, the other one is grabbing them and pulling them up. Person standing alone can be attacked. But man, I tell you, two can stand back to back and conquer. You want to make it even better? Add another one to the mix. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. We need to do some work to build up our resilience, to build up our ability to bounce back from the adversity that's coming. If you're not in the middle of it right now, let me tell you something. It's only a matter of time. How's that for great news? It's coming. Life happens. And if you're wise this morning, you'll think deeply about these three components. Acceptance. Your self-confidence. Your caring community. I don't know which might be a weak link in your system. But if you've got capacity, you will invest some energy in these areas. Listen, if you're here today, maybe you're listening to this, the podcast, live stream, and you right now got the wind kicked out. There's stuff. Hope. I hope if you're out and you're in the middle of a one of these things you can key in on if you need to just make a phone call we're here it's time hey it's time to help one another bounce back um yeah that's all i'm gonna say this morning my prayer for you is regardless of where you're at whether your clouds have rolled in right now whether they're a month maybe they're five years away i pray that each of us will be wise to be preparing for that one And if someone in your life right now is rolling through it, may you be willing to turn and take some water to that person this week. Don't turn a blind eye. One frickin' simple text. One little text can make a world of difference. May we take water to our world this week. Amen. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Hey? Get out there and conquer, huh? All right.